Welcome to the Spark to Your Success. My name is TJ Dow and I believe that we all have a bright spark inside. When you find yours and light it up, not only do you light up inside, and that feels amazing, but you'll light up the world around you and allow others to feel that amazing too. What a great gift to give, not just to yourself, but to the people around you. The Spark to Your Success podcast is designed to bring you a little inspiration, a little bit of insight, and to bring some positivity into your day. So welcome to this episode for young people and of course the young at heart. This week we are coming back to last week's subject when we talked about alcohol, but this time I'm bringing you some different thoughts about it all from a gentleman by the name of Daniel Moore. Daniel Moore decided not only would he give up the drink for a little while, but start his own podcast to support others in a fun way too. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor, so honor and a privilege to be, to be chatting to you. And I've been very, very excited. A, a brief introduction to me, I'm, I'm Dan. I am, when I try and identify myself, I probably identify as a photographer first. Um, and then uh, a father... Uh, husband and a uh, I used to kind of identify as a bit of a party animal um, uh, to some extent I used to identify as being a boozer but not so much uh, anymore I've kept all the good bits and and sort of uh, let let the booze uh, go to one side but um, yeah that's me I've been a photographer pretty much all my life ever since leaving school and uh, did, did the usual sort of school, college, uni, career. Um, I've been self-employed as a photographer since 2012 now, and I'm 31, if that makes a difference. I don't know. <laughs> you kind of, mm, you're, you're still young at heart, not old, not middle-aged, still on the young side. I feel I feel young. You feel there you uh, in, go. That's in, all in my matters. mind, but my my body feels very old these days. I don't know. I don't know whether that's because of the years of abuse. Um, but uh, I went for a six uh, six mile walk the other day um, with some friends in the Peak District to watch the sunset, and it was all beautiful. And I was the only one that was like my hip was seizing up, my my knees were going. I'm like, geez, I thought this was supposed to happen about in about twenty years time. <laughs> Not when you're not when you just just touching into your thirties. The previous episodes up to uh, this one, we've been talking about careers, and we've done like a mini series on careers for young people, and especially opening up the window of opportunity in terms of having your own business. Yes. So it's great to hear from somebody else that um, you did the education and then straight into your own business as a, a, an entrepreneur rather than down the usual get a good job, earn a good living route. Yeah. Uh, well, it's an interesting um, story that because I, I, although I, I, you know, I did go, you know, college, university, uh, but I did get, I did work in photography pretty much straight away, but I was very, very lucky. I was, it was a half determination, half luck getting into this um, uh, business, but I, I had two jobs previously to, um, in, in photography previously to go and self-employed and, um, uh, they were very difficult jobs, very difficult to get into, very difficult to do, very stressful. I learned a lot, didn't get paid a great deal, but it was really self-employment that where I, you know, really became to see my success. And I began, I began to, I fell back in love with my career as soon as I became self-employed. Really, really interesting transition that was again completely by accident. I actually got fired from my last proper job because I fell out with the manager um, for, uh, for really 
nice reasons. I fell out with them because I was a manager and they, I, I felt like they weren't looking after the staff and I was talking about that and, and I got fired as, as a result of that. It was, it was, it was quite nasty. Uh, what I realized was no one was going to pay me that much money again for the job that I did. You know, I got paid relatively well for my, for my age. I was 21. Um, yeah. I managed a, you know, a team of photographers and, and things. And I thought, geez, no one's ever going to pay me that more, that much money again, unless I move to somewhere that's like, you know, a big metropolis like London, which I wasn't really prepared to do. So, um, yeah, that was when I decided to sort of just pay myself, create my own business. <laughs> and um, and it, I never looked back. I don't, um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's, I've never worked so hard, but, but, but for all the right reasons and all for me, you know? Yeah. And that is really great to hear. Fell out of a job and fell in love with a new whole new business. Yes. And learn, <laughs> learned a lot from it as well. And, uh, you know, looking back, the, um, I was a terrible employee. I'm surprised I didn't get fired earlier, to be honest with you. So lazy, so self-important. And you realize when you become a business owner, what real work is and, and the reasons why, especially small businesses, like, you know, that have been set up by one person, they've got like only a few staff. You can see why those guys are so stressed out because no one else is on your vibe. No one else is on your level, you know, because yes. the employees just rock up, do their bare minimum, leave. Um, and that was 100% me. <laughs> well, Let's talk about, there you are with your cuppa. I've got my cuppa as well. What are you on? Are you on normal tea? Uh, coffee, actually. Oh, I've got Vitality, uh, which I believe is a bit of apple, a bit of mint, and I think some ginseng or something like that. That's so I, I should be, as, as, I, as we do this podcast, I should be getting more and more Vitality as we go through. <laughs> yes, let's, let's see if it lives up to its name. <laughs> <laughs> And get more and more vibrant as the, as the interview goes exactly. on. So as we're slurping respective cuffers, tell me about alcohol and your journey with alcohol. Because many of our listeners around about that age, they're teens, uh, it's beginning to start experimenting with alcohol or maybe even um, seasoned alcohol consumers at this point. And so we've all been there, done that, right? I would love for you to share with our audience where and when did your alcohol journey begin? Paul, um, I haven't got a specific memory of when I first had my first drink, but it was probably ridiculously young. A sip of beer, you know, something like that, half a pint at a pub in my very young years. Um, but I remember the, my first uh, memory of being drunk-ish or tipsy was on holiday in France and I think I was 11 or 12 something like that I was it was in a friend's caravan and we were having loads of little those little, little French stubby beers and I, mean, I think I had I think I might have had five or six you know <laughs> as an 11 year old and you know started to feel the effects and I was like oh I relate now I can finally relate to why people drink because before I just didn't get it uh and it was like a funny weird feeling not good not bad just weird and I remember that that was my first experience of, of alcohol and it didn't, you know, it didn't, it certainly wasn't like a, you know, straight into it from, from there on. But, um, what's quite interesting about my past is that my parents were, who are fantastic parents, as far as I'm concerned, um, were very liberal, very new age parents. They allowed me to make mistakes. There was not a lot of taboo when it came to drugs, alcohol, smoking, you know, because uh, I felt, I think they were the kind of parents that couldn't be hypocritical. They didn't have a good conscience about saying, you can't do this um, because they totally did it, um, you know. Uh, so 
but they were very good at telling me what are the consequences, what are the things that I should avoid. But after that, you're on your own, essentially. Back then, that was quite unique. There wasn't a lot of barriers for me when it came to alcohol. So I would drink at the weekends with my friends. A lot of the time I was the one getting the drink because my parents were, I was like, can you get us a crate? And then my mom would be like, yeah, because she, you know, she knew that I'd be in this place and this situation and everything would be fine. Um, there was never that taboo with alcohol at all. As a result, it was never a big deal to me somehow. It was always, I always drank, but it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal at all. It was just something that you did. It was something that we did in, in, a, in a social group. My friends were always a lot older than me. I think yeah. that made a big difference. I was a lot taller. I, was, I, think, I felt like I was a lot more mature. I was an only child. I think a lot of only children can relate to the fact that they, all the time you mature a bit quicker than if you've got siblings, uh, certainly initially. And then uh, some, some drugs as well, some, some mild, mild drugs, drug use as, um, you know, as a child. I think a lot of people go through that. That never came to, be, to become a thing at all, but it totally could have been done. And then you probably have to skip forward through the teenage years, lots of drinking, lots of, you know, going and doing all the stuff that teenagers do when it comes to alcohol uh, and stuff. And then I uh, went to college, big, big drinking, you know, you know, drinking at the weekends, going out to the pub in the evenings and stuff like that. Went to university, huge drinking culture at university, or there was at the time, you know, all of a sudden you've got student loans where you can buy money and get tequila and do all this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, drinking and then going to um, lectures the next day with your sunglasses on at the back of the lecture <laughs> hall and, and stuff like that. You know, that typical idea of what student life is. And then I, it became, it almost happened by accident that I would just, I, my drinking became more and more frequent, more and more regular because mainly because of probably I had money. I had a wife. Uh, sorry, I, I, at the time at university, I had a girlfriend who's now my wife. Um, yes. We had this relationship where we would stay in quite a lot and, you know, we'd crack open a couple of beers. We were enjoying life. And that just kind of, by accident, sort of snowballed into, uh, throughout my career, I would use alcohol in a, what seems like a relatively harmless way to medicate from a stressful day. Looking back, I probably had quite a lot of anxiety, although I didn't notice it at the time, you know, around my career because it was quite a high stressful mm. job. I was very lucky and privileged to be in the situation that I was in. So I was desperate to keep it um, and be the best photographer and, and stuff I could be. And I think that was, um, you know, quite, quite tough to deal with. Like, but again, I didn't, I didn't really realize it at the time because I don't think anxiety was even a thing back then, really. Mm. It wasn't as in, in, you know, in the mind's eye. Yeah, and then it, it kind of uh, gradually went on from there until my sort of late 20s when you, you get couple friends and you have dinner parties and stuff and you drink at home rather than going out as much. I, I'll be honest with you, uh, right off the, the bat, as soon as I left university, I didn't really go out at the weekends anymore, not like proper clubbing and partying yeah. and, and stuff like that. I don't think I was ever really ever a binge drinker properly. I think I was always more of a regular social drinker mm. i socialized a lot therefore i drank a lot yes but pretty much every day um <laughs> and then we'd have friends around and stuff and then um silly these little things like um that you don't you know, perceive at the time but i used to play a little um bit of xbox and stuff when i was in university 
And um, it became almost like a ritual to have a beer when I was playing with my friends, you know, online uh, and stuff. So then I started associating playing the Xbox with drinking. And you start to build up these associations with drinking and rituals that before you know it, I was pretty much drinking with everything that happened in the evening, you know, whether yes. it be, what you know, whatever, after work, stuff like that. And uh, it's, it kind of just snowballed from there really up until this point where I decided to actually... Um, I got to the point where I, when I tried to moderate my alcohol because it started to have a negative effect on my life and on my relationships and on my productivity, I couldn't. I just all of a sudden couldn't. I couldn't do it. It was too hard. Uh, so before, without realizing it, I'd become, um, I don't want to say addicted, but that's probably the right word. But dependent is probably a better word to describe my relationship with alcohol. It depended on it. It became such a big part of my habits. like a like an addiction, I guess, you know, it's, it's, a diff- it's a difficult term to come to terms with. I don't, I don't, I've never really thought of myself as an alcoholic, but I probably was, you know, really. Because addiction feels like such a, a strong word, doesn't it? We associate mm-hmm. it with other connotations. So to actually kind of contemplate, gosh, was I actually addicted? Yeah. So if I, I was dependent on it and I was struggling to stop, then gosh, maybe. I think that's quite a, a jolt to your system, isn't it, to have that thought? I think, I think the, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I think addiction is sort of classified as a thing that you do continuously knowing that it's doing you harm. Mm. Um, so in that respect, I was 100% addicted. Right. Um, but I think, it, but then if, I think if you look at it from that point of view, pretty much everyone that drinks is addicted in that respect. And it's such a socially accepted thing to do i think it's for so many people i i i would i would go further than saying accepted and saying it's positively reinforced Mm. you know Mm. um it's very difficult to get away from alcohol uh in the media in um people's perceptions of what a social gathering should be weddings funerals work parties places where you absolutely should never be under the influence work party is one of the worst ones you know we've all you know we've all made fools of ourselves or see or knows people who've been in a situation where they've made a fool of themselves uh works party and uh if you've ever been the soap one at a works party you hold all the secrets my friend (laughs) yeah you could you've got that company wrapped around your little finger (laughs) If you're a photographer like me, you can make a killing in black. <laughs> Not that I'm recommending that, but yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. It's yeah. permeate, permeated our culture. And I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing for everybody, but um, difficult for someone who has become, has some sort of dependence on alcohol, some sort of addiction, mm-hmm. for sure. So what would you say that, because you say, you know, that the negative impact, so what were you starting to notice in terms of how it was affecting you in a negative way and not so great way? Sleep was a big one. I found myself staying up later and drinking. I never really had an issue with drinking on my own. Mm. I actually really enjoyed that, which is probably a really dangerous thing to, to enjoy. Um, I quite like that contemplative time in the evenings watching. But when I look back, I was actually watching really mindless stuff. I thought I was doing research. I was watching YouTube. I was absorbing documentaries that my wife wouldn't be interested in because they, I felt very, they felt very intellectual or very artsy. 
turns out it was just background chatter. You know, when I look back, really, I couldn't watch them now sober. I find them awfully boring. But what I noticed was I was finding myself having more, struggling more in the mornings when I would go to work. I have a two-year-old, nearly three-year-old daughter, and I would find myself struggling with her in the mornings uh, with just with motivation. Mm. I'd find myself wanting to persuade her to come and sit and watch some children's program rather than actually engaging with it because I wasn't ready for it um, emotionally or, you know, energetically because I was hungover essentially, you know, even though, even if it was just a fuzzy head. Mm. Um, So I find myself in these situations where I hadn't had enough sleep. I'd had too much to drink the night before. And I remember I'd be in a situation where I'd done a photo shoot and I wasn't into it at all the whole way through. I was thinking, Oh, don't want to do this shoot, contemplating canceling them. I'd ask sometimes I'd get my wife to say that I was ill, you know. There's been a couple of times where I've got that far um, because I'd had too much to drink the night before. And um, I and I'd think to myself, never doing that again. That was a stupid mistake. And I wasn't drunk. I just drank too much, you know. I hadn't been out and partied. I just had a couple too many more than I would usually. Um, and I'd, I'd, you know, take, taken it just a little bit too far. So then I'd say to myself, okay, behave yourself now, Dan, you know, let's, 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 let's take a little breather, spending too much money, wasting too much time. I feel awful. Let's not have a drink tonight. And then when that night came, I'd be like, the cravings would kick in. I'd be like, Oh, I really, I do really fancy a glass of wine. Let's just have one more. And I would find it, just find it so difficult to just abstain for any longer than a few days, you know? Mm. Um, and that was when you start to have these kind of internal questions of, am I an alcoholic? Am I, you know, do I need to go to an AA meeting? Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I never really felt like I'd got that far or I'd always I'd certainly struggled with the idea of getting that far. Um, but I find it increasingly more and more difficult to, to abstain from, from alcohol or even to moderate, just have one. Mm. Couldn't just have one, you know. I do it all the time, even before a big, big job like a wedding, uh, because, you know, there'd be the craving in there already if that's, this is what I do in the evening. But also I'm feeling a bit anxious about tomorrow's photo shoot. I need a bit of a relaxant to help me get to sleep, let's say. You know, you'd find these excuses in your head. Yes. Have a drink. Um, and that was me in and out. And we, uh, on many occasions on this podcast, we've talked about your 60,000 thoughts a day mm. and how many of those 60,000 are the same thoughts every day. Mm. And it is that little voice inside, isn't it, that starts that conversation about, oh, shall I just have one or whatever, you know, and before you know it, you've got a drink in your hand and you're, you're off again. So what was that, that day that you said, okay, no more, it just... I'm taking a booze break and I want to talk mm-hmm. about your podcast as well. So tell us about like what was the decision? It was, I'll be honest with you, it was really anticlimactic. There was, <laughs> it, it wasn't like a really epic, um, drama. no, it wasn't like some epic, um, you know, night. And I felt awful the next day. It was, it was May the 4th, Star Wars day. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you the full story. I, I tried to quit drinking a few times, or at least tried to try to manage it by doing things like sober, sober Januaries, sober October, stuff like that. Never did it. And I, I, don't, think I'm, I don't think I ever did one um, in my whole life. I tried them several times, failed. Um, and 
So I'd always really, really struggled. And I just, I'd almost come to the terms with the fact that I got a problem with drinking. And uh, it, we were coming, we were in lockdown, we're currently in lockdown, but it was, it was really in the height of lockdown um, through the coronavirus. And I uh, put a post on my Instagram um, and I said, and I put on the post, like as part of my Instagram stories, guess how many days since lockdown that I've not had a drink? Because I got this calendar that I'd kind of downloaded previously. I can't remember what it's called now, but it was basically you would press the day every time that you'd not had a drink. So you could count how many days you'd not had a drink. It's like a really, yes. really clever way of doing it. And I pressed two whole days in, in the whole time, which was probably two months. And then when I looked at how many days that I'd not had a drink since January, and it wasn't into double figures, it was less than 10 that yeah. I hadn't had a drink since January. And it just, it was so scary. And I thought, oh man, and I tried, you know, I'd, I'd really, really tried. Um, and, uh, and then it was actually my auntie. I didn't really, or I, I did know that she'd done this, but she'd actually just taken, she'd just completed a year being alcohol free. Decided to just take a year. Again, she was an alcoholic. She just decided to take a year away from booze because she drank too much. And she asked the question. She said, how many days have you gone? I said, whatever. You know, I think it was two. And she said, how do you feel about that? And I was like, I've just, I don't know. I just feel awful. I feel, I feel scared about, um, you know, this, this, what it's got on me. And then she started talking about this thing that she'd done going, you know, a year alcohol free. And she just kind of gave me the push. You know, it was like, it was like, it was like lots, I'd had lots of, different pushes i'd been to therapy before i'd done all sorts of different things to have a go at, like i'm um, changing my relationship with booze but this was just the one final push it wasn't anything sp spectacular she didn't say anything new she just said why don't you start now and she gave me some um some resources to look at and i said you know what i'm not having another drink from now i think it was either not from now or from tomorrow whatever it was i think she i think it was like literally i'd messaged her on may the 4th May the 5th was, was um, you know, May the 4th, sorry, was the last time that had a drink. So that was it. Very anticlimactic, but it, I think it, that was a product of several attempts. But I think that's what I love about that is the fact that sometimes we tell that little story to ourselves about um, the next time it's the big thing. Like I'll know because it'll be the big thing that is there glaringly obvious that will make me make that decision. And it, and it doesn't need to be. You can just decide to change your life right now. Yes, absolutely. Right yeah. I quit but smoking. That you're going to make a decision right now. Yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those things. Like when I when I used to smoke cigarettes, um, I'll be honest, I do vape now, um, which is really naughty. And I should, that's my <laughs> that's next on my list. One thing at a time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that then sugar. Um, and uh, I remember quitting smoking. And it was just a case of, I literally had like a pack, half pack of fags. And I tried quitting smoking so many times before, really, really struggled. I'd, I'd smoked 10 a day since I was 13, which is a really horrific thing to think about. And, and that meant, you know, I'd smoke, I'd had cigarettes before then, but I was 10 a day pretty much from the age of 13. Um, and I had, had this pack of cigarettes and I just went, I'm done. I just threw them. Hmm. But it wasn't any big moment. It was just like, do you know what? I'm not having any more. And I genuinely think that was a product of all of those attempts. They weren't failures. They were all um, like learning processes. And I think it's very much the same with, with, with alcohol, with any kind of substance abuse, whether that be mild or, or quite serious. All of those different attempts you definitely learn from. And then I, I, I realize this now. It's difficult to do it in when you're in the throes of it. 
that um, I've learned so much from all of the failures, more so than anything else, that when it actually came down to doing it and making it a success, it's a lot of it's a result to all those things. Like I, I had therapy sessions where we, I had a hypnotherapy where I would try and address my alcohol and it worked for a little bit, but there were processes that I learned within that that have helped me this time around. And yeah. if, I, if I didn't have them, I might not have, it might not have been a success. So yeah, um, it's one of the things that I'm, I'm really keen on expressing. And I'm not the only person that does this. This is a well-known fact that it's okay to fail and come back to it. As long as you're always coming back to it, it's, it's Failure is good sometimes. So you decided to take a break Mm -hmm. and you decided to create a podcast. I did, yeah. Tell us about the booze break. Well, the podcast was a completely selfish endeavor in the fact that I made this big decision. I felt like I needed to share this with people. So it was partly my accountability in the fact that I didn't want to like be texting people and sending letters to my friends saying, Hey, I'm just letting you know that I've, you know, I've stopped drinking and be really, you know, um, proud of me or whatever, you know, yeah. I didn't want to be that guy. So it was a selfish thing in the fact that I wanted to tell the world, but I, but I wanted it to also do a couple of things. I wanted it to benefit other people potentially. Um, I wanted some sort of recognition because I've got a massive ego and that was part of it. If I can be attached to something that's fantastic, then yes, I will, I will 100% do that. Um, it was learning a new skill to some extent uh, um, because I'd always wanted to start a podcast, but I didn't know the ins and outs of it. I just knew that I had a voice. Yes. Um, but I was obsessed with researching it and I didn't know where to put this information. I was fascinated with talking to people who'd been through this experience. I was fascinated about talking to people about mental health because and how that related to alcohol. I wanted to, to develop myself, not only through alcohol, but in, in other aspects as well. And um, I needed a reason to do it uh, in such detail and, and put the time aside each day to kind of be looking into stuff like this. Um, so I decided to make a podcast because I thought it would keep me motivated. It, it was a part of my accountability. And honestly, it gives me a dopamine hit. I'm really completely <laughs> honest. Like I'm a junkie for it. I'm a junkie for, for dopamine. I'm a junkie for people saying, Dan, you've really helped me or whatever. I don't get loads of that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's not that big, but you know, if, if someone resonates with the story that we're talking about, or if I've helped anybody in, in any kind of way, that is a completely selfish act if, on my part. It's not selfless at all. <laughs> I, I want people to tell me that their life's been changed as a result. <laughs> And, uh, you know, again, uh, this resonates with my regular listeners. We've talked many times about your driving force, six human needs, how we meet our needs. We have to meet them either positively or not so positively. So we yes. might as well choose a great vehicle to do it. And significance or recognition and freedom to have a voice and express it is one of our six human needs. So there you go. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, need in a positive way. By sharing it, we will do much more for other people than we usually do for ourselves, or it becomes part of our contribution, which is also one of our top needs. Sure. Great way to meet your needs. So tell us a little bit more about how, so through the Booze Break podcast, I've been listening in, really enjoying it. Thank you. Lots of different topics and and your... you start by saying you know, how long it's been since you last mm-hmm. had a drink and, and your journey through that. Um, so 
share with the listeners how long has it been and what are you noticing in terms of the benefits to you personally what's the difference oh it's been 85 days i had to check on my watch then it's got to the point five days congratulations not bad bad. i initially set out to do 90 so i'm coming up to 90 now um i'm gonna do but i'm gonna do a year minimum absolutely because i'm not ready to give up these my amazing life um you know as a result of this and maybe i'll never drink again who knows um but i'm i'm very non-committal in that respect so i don't like committing to stuff um but yeah it i i've straight away i noticed some huge benefits to my to my own life i I will preface this by putting into context i was a daily drinker um, and not everybody who's got a, uh, an issue or, or, a, or an unhealthy relationship with alcohol has got a daily drinking uh, mindset. The, it, a lot of drinkers sort of form two different groups. It's binge drinkers and regular drinkers. A lot of it just depends on your social circumstances. Some people couldn't fathom drinking at home, but they'll get wasted at a weekend, two days in a row. Um, whereas uh, some people, a bit more like myself, will drink every single day in moderate amounts moderate to high amounts sometimes uh, it got to the stage towards the end where i was drinking on a daily basis what a dr- binge drinker would drink on a saturday my tolerance had got so high that i could just cope with it it's absolutely yeah. fine it was killing me internally but um i built up a tolerance in my, my body had created a resistance to it and fought it off really well it's amazing the, body, the human body is amazing in that respect it is but yeah straight away there was negatives and positives. I think I essentially went through withdrawal, very mild withdrawal. I think anybody does who, who is, you know, got any sort of level of drinking, you don't have to be an alcoholic to go through withdrawal. And that doesn't mean I was in hospital. It just meant like uh, you can go through withdrawal from not drinking coffee for two days. You get a headache. You feel a bit woozy. Um, there's a lot of reasons behind that that won't go into too much detail, but your, your body is... it's constantly trying to pump out stimulants to fight the sort of negative effects or the or even the positive effects of alcohol but then it your body takes a while to learn not to do that when the alcohol is not there and that's usually why you get withdrawal symptoms such as a headache because it's pumping things like adrenaline through your body and stuff when it doesn't need it so got a little bit of withdrawal one of the things that i used to use alcohol for was to sleep I really, really struggled with sleep. I I suffered a lot with depression and anxiety on and off throughout my life, not in horrendous amounts. I'm sure a lot of people could relate to the amount of anxiety that I had. I had one really, really bad year. Apart from that, it was just, you know, mild, mild stuff. So I found that alcohol is a sedative. So it just sedates you. It it helps you get to sleep. The problem with it, it it doesn't help you have a sleep. It just knocks you out. So the being sedated isn't as well, isn't the same as being rested. What I noticed straight away was, yes, I wasn't, I couldn't, I wasn't getting, I wasn't knocked out as soon as my head hit the pillow. But what I was having is very healthy, restful, regenerative sleeps. And it got better and better as you went along. Seven days into it, I would, I would say I was getting amazing sleeps and got much, much better from then on. I think sleep's the one though. I think sleep has the knock on effect to all of the other stuff because then my skin was better and my organs were regenerating. I had an issue with my liver, which, became pretty much symptom-free as a result of stopping drinking, as you'd imagine. Uh, My joint pain got less. My general mood increased infectiously positive, Um, whereas usually I would be the most miserable person. I could switch on the grumpy artist, woe is me, 
you know, all the time, you know, and, and play that and, and, you know, work on that. Uh, but now, you know, super, super positive, not all the time. You can't always be like that. There's always got to be like a neutral zone, but much, much more positive outlook on life and, and with relationships and stuff as well. Weird things like my eyes got brighter. I remember um, you saying that. Yeah. 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 My eyes got whiter. Uh, as a result, I started to get a bit concerned because my eyes were going a bit yellow around the edges and that was a big big thing and that was mostly part of my um my liver condition yes uh which was a uh, it wasn't necessarily a direct result of, of alcoholism but it had a part to play for mm-hmm. sure uh in in that and it just goes to show that stopping drinking almost completely cleared that up it does take a while for your liver to recover so it's an ongoing process but you know i no longer have a painful liver which is always a good always a good thing to have if i can be grateful for anything it's the fact that my <laughs> liver doesn't hurt <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, my mood, my productivity, one of the big things for me is I've always been a big dreamer. Like I love to create plans. I love to plan ahead. Uh, one of my downfalls is the fact that I don't live in the moment very well. I'm not very mindful about what's good right now. Um, that's definitely gotten, gotten better, but the stuff that I do like to do is plan for things. I plan for the future. I have, I have amazing creative ideas, but when I drank, I would never put them into practice. Yeah. Some would slip through the net and they'd be relatively successful. But most of the time, I'd be having these ideas, four glasses of wine in, talking to my wife. We should do this, write this down. Next day, feel a bit groggy, slept in, didn't do anything about it. There you go. There goes that idea, you know, on the back burner. Now, if I have an idea, I've probably called people in two people in 10 minutes to try and get that idea off the ground, you know? The amount of productivity and positivity that's, that's come as a result i've taken on a member of staff recently you know i couldn't i was far too scared to do something like that three months ago you know when i was still drinking a lot of differences both mentally and physically the list is endless and what's beautiful is it, it keeps getting bigger i keep noticing more things more you know more in tune to conversations so much so so much you have to listen to the podcast to learn all of them. Well, I'm going to get you to tell <laughs> our listeners where they can listen to your podcast and um, where else they can find you as well. Because did I see that you've got a Booze Break Facebook group? Yes, um, you can head over to boozebreakpodcast.com, uh, which is the website where you can get access to not only the podcast, but you know you can get the, all the socials from there. If you, um, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, which is at Booze Break Podcast. Um, but really if you just search booze break in any search engine of like, you know, Spotify, Apple podcasts, uh, Stitcher, you'll be able to find us on there. Uh, there is a booze break, um, community as well that we're kind of building up currently. It's free to join. Uh, at some stage it is going to be a place where you can kind of support the podcast and, and, and be a part of that. And there'll be resources that I put in there. For now, though, it's just a free community that you can go and get involved in where people can share stories. And it's kind of like a safe place to talk to people. But it's not all doom and gloom. It's, a, it's about finding ways to do something fun in the evenings that isn't drinking. Yes. You know? um, it's not necessarily a place you know, where everybody just says all the horrible things that have happened to them right. in the past and stuff, you know, it's a you very, very positive place. and say, my name's and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's, it's more like, hey guys, what non-alcoholic beers are you drinking at the moment? Yeah. Uh, who's going for a run tomorrow? Who's up at five in the morning? Let's do this type scenario. That's the, that's the place where, um, where, where I'm at. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's the place where I want my, you know, my listeners to, to sort yeah. of be as well. And to come with you. So I know that your message is, you know, you're not here to say, don't drink ever. Booze is the sort of root of all evil. Don't do it. I know that that's not your attitude at all. What at would all. be the key message that you would give to our younger listeners? I think my, my thing for with, with, with alcohol is no matter what level of drinking really you're at, at some stage uh, there, there is like a, a process, a habit cycle, a routine around drinking. And I think a lot of people have this idea of if you're not an alcoholic, you haven't got an issue with alcohol. You have to hit rock bottom before you even consider your consumption of alcohol. Um, and I think that's a really dangerous place to be. And that's the place where I was at. And what I discovered was, you know, like it was quite difficult for me to cut out alcohol from my life uh, because some people can do it for X amount of time. But then, but then that one social gathering, that one thing where they're desperate to have a drink kind of creeps in. And then all of a sudden you break that cycle, you, you break the chain and you go back into like an old routine that perhaps is a little bit more destructive or less productive. My goal with Booze Break is to help people sustain a break from alcohol. A lot of people will decide through that that they don't want to drink again. Some people will just take a month off and go, okay, that's great. I've changed the habit cycle. The idea is to have a a long enough break from booze. And I don't like to put a time on it at this stage because I'm not there yet. I'll, I'll try and find the sweet spot myself maybe. And that might be 10 years, who knows, yeah. um, where you give your body enough time to recover, you give your habit cycles and, you know, if you can do, let's say you do 100 days, um, that usually gives you enough time to go to a wedding, go to the works do, maybe you've done the Christmas do. There's several different social things that you go through in like 100 days, even better, a year. Mm. Um, where you can tackle each one of those and fight it head on. And it's not much of a fight, I'll be honest, after a certain amount of time. I don't even think about booze anymore, really. Um, and if I do, it's from a th- the prospect of being so smug that I'm not drinking. <laughs> when I'm around other people that are, and I think you're going to feel rough tomorrow and I'm going to feel great. <laughs> and I, I remember all the stuff that you've just said, but you won't remember anything that I said. So yeah, it's, it's giving your body enough time to have a break and remember what it feels like to not have a life with alcohol. And then if you decide to go back to drinking, if you decide to go back to having a drink or a couple of drinks, um, you can come back to that with a much clearer um, sort of frame of mind around alcohol because you can go, okay, this is how I feel without alcohol. And then you can go in and you can have one drink and you go, oh, that's enough for me. I don't want any more of that because I don't like that anymore. It's an interesting concept, but yeah, the idea is essentially to cut it out for so long that you don't need it anymore. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've loved every minute of having you on the show. Uh, a reminder, if they go and just search for Booze Break. Booze Break, B-O-O-Z-E Break. They will find lots will appear, ta-da, that they can easily uh, listen to you and come and connect with you. And uh, who knows, come and join your community, which is fantastic. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. We will be following your journey uh, to 90 days and beyond. Yes, come (laughs) come back to me in another three months and we'll see how we're doing. Exactly. We'll hold you to that. (laughs) so thank you once again and we will be cheering you on thank you so much tj thanks for having me on what great insight and inspiration there from mr daniel moore himself do go and check out his facebook page 
and his podcast, The Booze Break. And do get in touch with us if you have any questions, stories, or inspiration. Love when you share your inspiration with me on this topic of alcohol and its consumption. You can get in touch, of course, by emailing tj, T-W-E-J-A-Y, at backontrackteens.com or go to the website backontrackteens.com and leave us a message there in the blog page. You have been listening to me, TJ Dow, on this The Spark Your Success podcast. Until next week, stay clear-headed. Bye for now. Hold up. 